Hey everyone, welcome to DarkCast Interviews. I'm your host, Jonathan Miley. GCI is a long-form interview podcast where we talk to game creators about who they are and their work behind the scenes as well as, obviously, their recent or upcoming video games. In this episode, I talk with UC Altio from Resistance Games about their upcoming game, Company of Crime. Company of Crime is a turn-based tactic game, not too dissimilar from XCOM, but set in 1960s London as you rise to power in the criminal underground or attempt to take it down from the side of the police. For more information about the game, check out the links in the description below on YouTube or in the show notes for this episode on darkstation.com. There you can also find a written preview for this game as well as the original Dark cast and other video game reviews, previews, and features. Be sure to subscribe to the show on iTunes, follow us on Twitter at darkstation underscore com, find us on Facebook, check us out on YouTube, and email us at podcast at darkstation.com. As always, thank you so much for listening. Now on with the show. Back to Darkcast Interviews, everybody. I'm Jonathan Miley. Today, I have the pleasure of sitting down with. Yeah, I did not ask you how to pronounce your last name uh, before we got started, and I should have done that, but I didn't. But uh, I'm sitting down with Yusi, uh, the director of Company of Crime, part of uh, Resistance Games. But Yusi, uh, how how is your last name pronounced? Uh, it's audio, so audio. almost like audio, but with a T, so audio. Audio, uh, okay, fantastic. Yeah. I like that, yeah. I like that. Well, welcome to the show. Thank you for, uh, we, we just got done doing a, a game demo, so I got to see a lot about the game, and so there'll, there'll be a written preview up with all of this, uh, which will be really cool. But um, thank you for, for sitting down with me. How are you, guys, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm, I'm doing great, and uh, thank you for uh, taking the time to see the game and uh, doing this podcast. This Absolutely. is great. Absolutely, uh, I I love doing this. It's, there's honestly there's nothing more fun than than talking to the the people that are magic and make video games. I my brain doesn't comprehend it, but I'm glad you guys do. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's well, well well put well put. It's uh, <laughs> like uh, some of these days uh, when there is. Uh, bugs to kill and so forth. I wouldn't always call it magic, but uh, <laughs> but I, I'm happy you did. So it's it's magic from my end, so it's it's all good. Um, yeah. So so you are one of the, as I said, the the co-founders and the the director for uh, Company of Crime. Um, yes. Where is Resistance Games located? Uh, we're located uh, almost at the Arctic Circle, so quite far in the northern Finland, in a city called Oulu. Uh, so, like a old tar city back in the 1600s, was we the city was established, and uh, yeah, it's only like uh, one and a half hours, two hours away from the Arctic Circle by car. So, wow, that sounds really cold. That's. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's it's not 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 so much like okay. if one takes the uh, the same latitude in Canada, it's a lot colder thanks to the, the in Canada uh, thanks to the Gulf Stream that uh, 
it's a subsole. Ah, so it's actually, okay. ex- it's actually, I love the weather in uh, in Oulu because we have, like, literally we have four seasons: the spring and autumn, and winter and summer are more than just names; they are very, very different uh, between that's, one another. So that's fantastic. Um, I, I live in the the southeast the southeast of the United States, and we have summer, um, summer with brown leaves, cold summer, and then summer with pollen everywhere. Um, <laughs> yeah. So it's yeah. it's not yeah. it's not so great. So that's that's yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you should uh, Google some pictures of the same place in in Finland, uh, and they look like stunningly different uh, depending on the season and. It's the summers are here really, really warm, so it's not cold all the time, even if there is snow in the winter. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, so how long have you guys been around, and and how many people do you have at Resistance? Uh, well, we were established in uh, summer of two thousand eighteen. Uh, then we had been bootstrapping the company for over a year before that, uh, so kind of. All of us were in different companies doing our day jobs and then dreaming of uh, better strategy games and then doing work to get get everything started. And then uh, we established resistance games when we were close to a deal with 1C, uh, 1C Entertainment. And yeah, then we've been working since uh, January 2019 on Company of Crime, like a full-time uh, okay. course some some uh, preparations earlier. And uh, we are 13 people at the moment, uh, eight, well, a relatively large founding team of eight people. So, so it's, it, it was good to, uh, good to share the workload in the bootstrapping uh, phase when there were more than just a couple of uh, founding members. So, Gotcha. So that's us. But uh, like, uh, particularly for our Northern Finnish uh, team, I do dare say that we're quite experienced. The founding team has, on average, 15 years of experience. So I have one year less than than the average team member uh, on experience. But now that uh, we have grown, then the average average experience has dropped to 13 years. So okay, very cool. Um, where where were you at before um, you founded Resistance? Uh, well, as I as we were bootstrapping, I did actually consulting. So the I calculated that in 2018 I got uh, salaries from nine different organizations. Uh, of course, those those were uh, more of more or less my clients, Coco uh, Games or Prion Games or uh, Business Oulu or or some some other other like Little Chicken. I did uh, a bit uh, like short tour. But before that, like a seriously uh, earlier, I was in uh, Reborn Games and then Vima Games and uh, Olu Game Lab was is was or is one of the things I'm most proud of. Uh, it's a kind of a game initiative that works here uh, that combines education to incubation, like business incubation, and has created lots of uh, new new companies to the to the region. So very cool. Did that, that for a few years as well. Very cool. Glad to hear. Um, so th- this is, uh, I guess, a little more uh, time-sensitive question uh, compared to, I, g- I guess, when the world is acting normally. But how are you guys, as far as the whole coronavirus situation going? Everybody healthy? What What are you guys doing as far as everybody working from home, or, or how do, how does all that work out? Yeah, yeah. Actually, I uh, like uh, 
we were lucky enough that we actually started uh, uh, working from home like half a week before it was recommended. So we are now more than four weeks uh, working from home. Uh, it's worked a lot better than I expected. I, like me personally, I mostly have uh, bad experiences of distance work. It doesn't work as well as face-to-face, -face, but uh, we have done gone to a great extent to make sure that the communications would stay as good as it has been in, in the uh, when we're in the same office. So, so far it's worked better than I, I thought it would. And I would say the productivity hasn't dropped well, maybe a tiny bit, but not 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 much really. So, awesome. so far, great. It Very helps, nice. of course, uh, with Company of Crime. It's so far already in development that it, if it was uh, like pre-production or early production, then it, we probably would have suffered more. Sure, I can see that being a lot more difficult. But um, but glad you guys are doing okay. That uh, that is that is good to hear. Um, so we will we will move on from the uh, that topic and uh, get into the game. Uh, I guess for, for anybody that hasn't looked at the, um, the preview of this yet or hasn't checked out the, the game elsewhere, uh, what's kind of the high-level uh, explanation of the game? What is, is Company of Crime? Well, if I first say the fluff and then, then go to concrete level, uh, it's a PC strategy game about criminal, criminal London in the 1960s. So we follow in the footsteps of the Cray Brothers and uh, Richardson's and others. On a more concrete level, it's a turn-based tactical strategy game, uh, very much like XCOM, but our key difference is that it takes place in the heart of a large, large city. So you don't go killing people all the time. So it's a lot more melee-based. So we have gone to great extent to have the tactical choices and the death of the uh, tactical missions that XCOM has and make sure that we have we are as deep when we focus on melee uh, primarily uh, and then uh, change the gameplay quite a bit to accommodate that so so basically it's divided to two parts but uh, but like in strategy map you handle your criminal activities and then you play out uh, the cr crime in tactical missions so very cool uh, so why why 1960s London? What what drew you to that place and time to set the game? I think it's like there is plenty of reasons. Uh, one, of course, is that uh, maybe together with San Francisco, uh, the 1960s uh, uh, London was the culture capital of the world. It was the home for Beatles, uh, like all sorts of uh, youth culture forms, from muds to rockers to uh, Lemonheads, uh, Yardies, uh, uh, pirate radios. It's it's a it's an era that uh, even you you don't have to be a history freak that you recognize the era and London's role role in it, but it's also an era and place where you can go really really deep and you find lots of amazing stuff there. So really really interesting stuff. And of course, like the Tom Hardy recently showed or a couple of years showed that uh, or popularized rather that it was also the worst time of uh, police corruption in in uh, uh, the London police and there were criminal criminal families that uh, had even politicians in their pockets and uh, 
as an air ride so so intriguing that uh, that was the whole starting point uh, trying to figure out what game mechanics would fit this uh, this era and this city okay very cool now from from just looking at the game and, and some of the stuff that we've talked about uh obviously there's the the rise of kind of your criminal uh empire that you're you're starting as um, but is there, it, it sounds like there's more to the story with the cold war going on. There's some sort of mysterious order happening. Can you talk a little bit about, I guess, a, what the, what the bigger story could ultimately yeah, lead to? Yeah. I'm, I'm glad that you, uh, uh, asked. Uh, now, if someone doesn't want to spoil the story too much, I'm not going to reveal everything, but, uh, after the initial stage of uh, indeed following in the footsteps of the Cray brothers and introducing the other uh, criminal uh, criminal families as well, which there is five other uh, criminal families, we will uh, meet uh, with the third faction if there is like the police and the, the criminals. Then there is indeed a secret order, uh, like kind of like Spectre in uh, James Bond films and that... Uh, wants to destroy the British Empire, which still was in place to some extent. They still had some colonies left in the 1960s. Uh, they hadn't yet joined the European Union, and the order wants to end uh, Great Britain as it, uh, as it was uh, in the early 1960s. Mm. And then this allows us to also build a heroic ending for the criminal side as well when they are uh, meeting with the, with the order. But we don't go too serious on the on the order order bit. It's more like a, our tool to tie the era together. Also, that uh, there is all all sorts of other cool stuff also happening that we can't deal so well with the chosen game mechanics. But uh, we want to kind of pinpoint that this was a cool cool and interesting uh, time time in history. Sure. Sure. Um... So now you you mentioned that you've got the the two main factions, police and and mafia. Then we'll eventually get to see a third secret one. Uh, that that's honestly I don't know I don't know why that gets a little bit of a chuckle out of me. But the idea of you can be the the hero of the story uh, being the mob, um, I guess that kind of goes back into what you were talking about with the during the Jibbo is that you know you're kind of a gentleman um, gangster. You're you're not just going around killing people. You're you're roughing people up and you know getting money from them and whatever, but you're not a homicidal maniac, which is, which is good. Yeah, we, yeah, we, need, we need more not homicidal maniacs in video games. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's also just following in the footsteps of the craze because when the Cray brothers, uh, that were quite uh, famous, uh, famous back in the days, they were in the newspapers uh, and, and so forth. So people knew who, who they were and still know uh, who they were. We did a, pilgrimage to the uh, one of the key uh, key locations uh, and they were like everyone like I, I literally met two young women who were fans of the craze and that was like the weirdest weirdest thing uh, uh, that took place like a half a year ago as I was visit, visiting London so they were convicted of uh, only three murders the, uh, the, the brothers in any case and Max six others that uh, the historians uh, have said that probably the craze murdered murdered six more people and even in the court case they said that well they never harmed any uh, anyone who didn't deserve it so in this sense 
also for the craze, the other criminals, other other gangsters and other uh, people living at the fringes of, of law uh, or on the other side of law, they were the, who they were hard on. So that's why they kind of uh, were still respected by the civilian populace, even though like in a modern world, uh, idolizing criminals, that's that's not a very cool, cool thing to do. But but they had had their morals in any case that they they felt and defended that they never harmed anyone who didn't deserve it. So any civilians uh, never suffered any ill faith from their hands, according to them, of course. Uh, of course, them, right. the court courts disagreed. <laughs> well, so um, so you have the uh, the mob side of things where where you're doing all that, but you can also play as the police. Can you talk a little bit about the the differences between? Uh, I guess story-wise, kind of, I guess your your overall goals, uh, and then we'll get into to gameplay after that. Uh, but how those differ between being the police or being the uh, being the mafia? Yeah, I think uh, like story-wise or identification-wise, it's easier for police side. Like, yeah, catch the criminals. That's already heroic in in, in a sense, or not in a sense. It is a heroic a heroic thing. Uh, so for the gameplay, I think there is a bigger, like a big, big differences in uh, in gameplay. That in uh, if you're playing the mobsters or gangsters, uh, how you progress, how you become more powerful, is basically by acquiring a legal covers uh, for your criminal operations. So you're trying to take over uh, different businesses and then uh, get income and influence out of out of those and. They are how you unlock new stuff uh, in uh, the criminal side. But when you're playing the police side, uh, you play with lack of information. When in uh, criminal side progression, if you ex like expand in the game and new district or borough is unlocked, you already see what, what's, what's in there, who, who does what and, and, and so forth. But on the police side, you don't have that information. So you have to use your sergeants and your own units uh, to find informants, uh, to try to find suspicious locations. And if you find, you don't know if it's a uh, civilian owned and are they just the uh, victims of the uh, of the criminal families that they are paying protection money for the criminals, or are they is this business owned by the criminal family? So you have to figure all this out, and then of course. Uh, rate the places uh, that you find uh, find out that uh, are owned by the uh, criminals and in in a, uh, like if you end up there stopping a extortion mission then try to arrest uh, the uh, the criminals that are beating up up the uh, shop owners Very cool. so more more reactive uh, uh, police in this sense and like you have to work your way to be proactive, but then whenever criminals are doing something, then you react to those. But uh, your own proactive action, actions are more limited. Gotcha. That makes sense. Uh, you don't want to just go around arresting people that uh, you know don't need to or deserve to be arresting. Uh, or yeah, arrested. Yeah. Um, unlike you know real life. Anyway, moving on. Um, so uh, getting more into the, the gameplay, I guess, you know, as you mentioned uh, a little bit ago, there's it's kind of divided up into two sides. You've got the um, on-the-ground kind of XCOM-like combat where you're moving around in grids and you've um, 
have action points and all that kind of stuff. And then you have the wider strategic thing, whereas the mob, you're taking over businesses and you're, you know, uh, as the police, you're investigating stuff. I guess if you could talk a little bit about the uh, the actual on-the-boots uh, gameplay and then a little bit more about the uh, the wider systemic gameplay. Yeah, yeah, sure. So in the tactical missions, uh, uh, if you have played XCOM, you're, you're, you'll fit right in. Uh, the main differences are that uh, the flanking works totally different than in XCOM. In as hopefully most of your uh, reader or viewers, hearers, how do you call podcasters? Uh, listeners. listeners, yes, that's yeah. the word. Yeah, listeners. Uh, that mo- uh, hopefully most know that uh, in XCOM, the main thing is that you try to run from cover to cover and make sure that your enemy isn't in cover, so you flank them so that there isn't anything blocking your way. Whereas in uh, Company of Crime, uh, how the flanking in melee works is that if you attack from behind, so any of the three tiles behind the unit, then you are flanking that. So where is your unit orientated? Where, is, where does the unit look, look into? Uh, that plays a big role. So you want to uh, basically choose that every time. And the other element, a big element, big difference is that all the units, except civilians, have zone of control. And zone of control basically means that if you and I, we are fighting, so we are facing one another. And if I try to then uh, walk away, uh, you get a free attack. And if uh, uh, if the attack is successful, then that action is uh, uh, cancelled. So I didn't didn't succeed getting away. So that plays a big role. Basically, it means that uh, we can create interesting choke point and have different uh, uh, unit classes that behave differently, uh, particularly when the levels are a lot tighter. There is less space than uh, in XCOM's levels. So let's say that we are in a pub and I have a bouncer unit, which is more like the muscular tank type of unit. So that one unit could help blockade three tiles with with its uh, zone of control and if i tell my unit to brace for it basically spend one action point to raise the hand for a defensive stance uh, then he might be able to hold it off uh, while my other other units try to flank or go do the uh, perform the actual action or or, or whatever is the mission uh, then of course the torturer is really good at the uh allowing movements for my units because if torture comes uh, let's say you're a torturer now we are fighting and you have the ability to poke your fingers into my eyes that uh, that's a nasty move but that will basically temporarily take away my zone of control so your friends could then freely fa- flank me they wouldn't have to go long way a uh, long way to to do that uh of course, there is like all sorts of nasty kicks, uh, like nut kicks or throwing people to, over the table or or whatnot. As well as, since, since we have choke points or kind of zone of control, we want the levels to feel feel as tactical as possible. So the lighter lighter chairs, uh, beer glasses, uh, ashtrays, they can be 
used as one-time use weapons as well. So you can hit people with a chair or ashtray or uh, bottle or glass and, and so forth, and that they will take some damage out of that as well. And third large difference, uh, which ties deeply into this gangster gameplay, is that the, when you're hitting someone with a fist or a baseball bat or a cricket bat, uh, you are causing mostly stamina damage. So units have stamina, and if stamina goes to zero, uh, they are knocked out. They're not dead. Uh, if you then keep on uh, uh, kicking them and the stamina goes to minus 10, then they die. Mm. But if you take out a pistol or a shotgun, uh, those uh, do also stamina damage, but the, the primary, primary uh, thing is that they cause health damage. And if health drops to zero, uh, then the unit dies. So the weapons are, in a way, more more lethal than in XCOM, which is strange to say because in XCOM you always kill everyone. That's the whole point. But we want the weapons to feel that yes, if I grab this, uh, it even the uh, even the like high level units need to be afraid that they have, yes, more uh, more health. Uh, they are harder to kill, but definitely easier to kill than like a high-level unit in XCOM meeting with the, like a low-level, first-level unit of the enemy. And that, for us, the shotguns and others balance out the uh, level difference quite a bit, which leads to the fact that even though you don't necessarily want to pick up the gun yourself. That's also what we are aiming to do, that the different criminal families would feel different, that some of them will pick up guns faster. If they are losing, then some of them will will go, go berserk and start shooting, uh, whereas others are more gentlemen and then they don't pick up weapons, but uh, rather rather flee or flee more easily, or indeed they just keep on fighting to, till the bitter end or or whatnot. Gotcha. Is that, um, I know the game's still in development and so not everything is, is nailed down obviously, but, uh, is that a setting that like this particular faction or family always does this or is just more likely to act this way or how does, how does that kind of actually play out in a mission? Uh, yeah, it's like, of course the AI behavior is one of the main things that we're still balancing. Uh, and we don't want any families to always do it, uh, but they are more probable. Some some families are more probable to do it. Uh, so and some families will never never do it. So so it, but it's not uh, pre uh, predetermined that uh, they would always do it. It's they are basically like they have different things that they favor. So we basically balance out how much they favor certain stuff uh, in certain situations. So it's it's a lot of math, math uh, balancing a math behind behind there. So gotcha. One of my other weaknesses, besides obviously you know understanding the other side of games, math. I don't like it, so I'm I'm glad somebody does it. Kudos to whoever's doing all the math. <laughs> um, yeah. So good, good thing in, in making. Uh, uh, like turn-based game is that the math itself is uh, quite, or it should be so easy to grasp that uh, 
it makes sense when player sees it that if it's if it's well of course ai behavior math that shouldn't be that should feel personal that shouldn't feel like math that should feel like oh shit that made made a that ai made a clever decision or a person like a very charismatic uh, decision uh, but uh, so that shouldn't feel like math but most of the kind of uh, mechanics are we could paper prototype them if if needed so gotcha um, now, from from the way that you described guns, they're they're super powerful. It sounds like um, it would be a good idea to always use them, except for the fact that there's the heat system. Uh, so we could talk a little yes. bit about yeah. that. Yes, yes. Uh, Sorry, I forgot the main main thing. Main, <laughs> one of the main main differences uh, uh, between us and other uh, tactical mission uh, tactical games is that indeed police is all over you, like. Uh, in both both uh, the tactical side and as well as in the strategic map, there is heat, and they work pretty differently between one another. So in tactical missions, the more violent you are, the more loud you are, the more heat you will accumulate. So if you uh, beat someone with a uh, baseball bat, uh, then that will create definitely some heat. And if it if heat is uh, accumulated enough, then someone calls the police. But if you start shooting people, that will uh, create a lot more heat. And the police, they are similar units as yours, but if you find a police, that will definitely increase heat. Or even if you just punch them and don't kill them, let alone if you kill them, then that will uh, increase heat quite a lot and even more police will will come so the wisest thing to do if police is called is to bugger off that uh, finish finish whatever you came for uh, don't stay to fight flee the scene uh, don't be seen because whatever evidence you left behind and if there is body count in the in the level your heat in the strategic layer will also increase and that will influence the police ai how will they how eagerly will they attack your uh, or try to arrest your units as they are uh, living their lives in the city uh, they might be just visiting a barber shop and then the police comes to arrest them and you just have to flee like like you have a tactical mission where you try to avoid arrest uh, and they might uh, the police might arrest your uh, those uh, legal covers of your yours so they might uh, raid a place and if you don't manage to burn the evidence uh, like the accounting or if it's a vet if you don't burn the drugs then uh, you will lose that place so it also makes sense to be a gentleman a gangster and not a violent uh, violent um, murderer so so always good to have incentives to not be uh, a murderous fiend <laughs> yeah. yeah, like like in real life. Like in well. real life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. So so obviously you know uh, uh, weapons are more of kind of a, a seems like a, a last resort sort of thing. You don't want to go into a place uh, just shooting things up as as we saw in, um, the the demo um, that ended with like half of your crew getting arrested. It was it was not it was not a good time for you. Um, yeah, yeah, for indeed, them. Indeed. <laughs> yeah, 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 indeed. And uh, of course, there, there is like we do want to use weapons uh, rarely to create like the most epic, ter- well, like twists to a level. Or indeed, if there is a 
story-driven mission, then sometimes you might end up using weapons in any case, but they are more of an exception when it's wise to use. And also one thing I forgot to mention during the uh, demoing also is that the locations matter also how much heat is accumulated. Hmm. If you are in industrial area, like a warehouse type of uh, locations, uh, there there aren't so many civilians around, so uh, the heat will rise uh, slower. So there, uh, performing some murderous acts isn't uh, as doesn't come as quick penalty as uh, as it would be if you started murdering people in a pub. So, gotcha. Uh, are, are there going to be places on the map where um, otherwise there's just a higher police presence in that area that would cause the the heat to rise faster or I don't know, I guess uh, kind of a larger scale version of what you're talking about with the warehouse. Yeah, well, to some extent, yes. We do have like a ways to control for individual uh, location, uh, like location uh, type uh, level that how does the heat uh, heat uh, rise. If it was like in this district, uh, you should not use uh, we don't have a way to communicate that, and we don't want to communicate that with the text only. So it's more tied to the location type rather than this part of the city. Uh, so it's if there is a like the locations themselves, they are of course uh, we've tried to follow London that the uh, industrial areas would be where they were in the 1960s, but we have taken creative liberties. So Saville Road is where. Savile Road is, and there is lots of tailors there, but uh, but it's uh, also also some locations are in the lo- wrong place uh, for gameplay reasons as well. So, sure. so it's it's tied more to the locations than than in the uh, part of the map, so okay. so to speak. If you're playing the criminal side, uh, particularly as we are the gentlemen criminals or gangsters. What you need to do is having the civilians uh, both fear and respect you. So both of these are kind of district, uh, uh, by by district, how much the people living there fear you or how much they respect you. And you want both of them to be quite high because uh, they will unlock different uh, things you can do. uh, And without respect if without respect being high you can't build uh, those legal covers so as you're expanding your turf expanding the new parts of the city you will first want to not just have a, uh, like a merciless reputation or a fear or like a horrible reputation infamy but also respect so that uh, you can actually operate there so if you're being a total dick uh, then you just can't the uh, the civilians uh, civilians basically then trust the police too much that uh, they don't accept your uh, coercing ownership of their place that they're making a deal they can't refuse uh, they w- they will rather go to the police and you can't can't basically perform that action so hmm. so those are kind of uh, two things per district that you want to pay attention that uh, how high is the fear and how high is the respect gotcha um so i I guess one thing that um i'm wondering is you know when when you're playing from the uh 
the gangster side. You are an up and coming new game. You, you actually play as a, a pair of siblings. Um, does that gang exist? If you're playing from the police side, is is there a gang that's basically trying to take over all of the districts of of London and replace all of the other gangs, uh, like you would be trying to do if you were playing that side? Yeah, you have good questions. We actually make a, a kind of funny reference to that. Uh, in Criminal, when you play, the first thing you do when you start the criminal campaign is that you uh, steal a jewelry store. So you have your starting cash and learn the ropes of the game, how everything works in the police uh, tutorial mission. Similarly, you are in the same place and you basically arrest those two uh, siblings. Uh, so their criminal career never takes off. Uh, <laughs> you're playing, playing the criminal side. So that's pretty funny. I like yeah. that. That's that's the uh, kind of attention yeah. to detail I can get behind. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, as as you play the game uh, from the the criminal side, uh, your your heat can rise um, systemically. You know, um, as as we were talking about, is there any way to reduce that? Yes, uh, those legal covers, uh, the businesses you own, they will every month drop your heat a bit. So there is a extra reason to uh, get certain types of uh, locations that you uh, that you might want to prioritize those so that you get your heat down. Uh, but then there is uh, also some uh, assignments. Everything you do basically in the uh, map, we call them assignments. They might lead to tactical missions, but not always. So particularly the French lesson places, uh, which are our, uh, or which was the term for prostitution in the 1960s. So uh, the, the prostitution was high, in hiding. There weren't bordellos, but there were lots of prostitution still. So having control of those will reveal some, will allow you to try to get some uh, uh, dirt, so to speak, or leverage on politicians, which will then uh, lower the heat. Like you can perform if you own a specific uh, locations, you try you can try to get uh, get your heat down by well basically having people in powerful places telling the police to uh, uh, to back off. So so that's actually the French lessons, uh, the coolest part why you would want to have French lesson places in your in your criminal empire. Okay. Which are also also like uh, as a tactical like all the all the locations all the businesses, they are handcrafted levels. So you can do the uh, like uh, tactical missions in them, uh, and I think the French lessons are in a way coolest places because it's it might be just an office if it was a call girl kind of a place where you called and then you got a prostitute for a visit. Or it might be indeed the walk in which London still has, which the law was it so that the bordellos are forbidden. But if there is only one uh, prostitute working, that's not a bordello yet. So there were lots of walk-ins there. So, so the difference is how the French lesson uh, locations, what the final levels are, if you are doing missions there, 
they look the most different. Like I guess pub is a pub no matter what the layout is. Uh, there are cooler pubs and uh, less cool pubs, but the French lesson places are very, very different. Some might be a back room at the laundry place or hmm. or indeed something that looks like an office where just uh, calls were connected and, and so forth. Gotcha. Okay. Well, I, th I think we've covered pretty much... Um, I mean, we haven't covered everything because we, we've talked a lot of, about a lot more, but there'll be a lot more info in the, the preview of the game. But I think that does it for the questions I had uh, for the game itself. Uh, now we get to move on to the part of the game that I call the end game. And uh, it, it's really just fun, personal questions uh, for you. And the first one's very simple, but it can be very difficult. And that's who's your favorite video game character? Uh, this can be it can be a faction for a, a strategy game. It can be the hero of a game. It can be a sidekick, a villain, a, any number of things. But um, what's your favorite character in a game? Hmm, that's a very very good question. I think I will have to go as far back as Baldur's Gate Two, mm. and was it Viconia the uh, draw elf, the dark elf uh, character, uh, with whom the main the player character has can have, and I of course had a romantic uh, interest uh, and like deep deep connection when uh, the, in the draw society men are slaves, and then uh, she of course behaved like men are slaves, and and that was so well written and that uh, I almost quit the game when the story led it so that uh, she would have to go back to the draw. Uh, I, hope, I hope I remember the term, was it draw? But uh, but in any case, to the Dark Elf uh, Society, and uh, I could no longer have her in my team. And I was like, ah, but I don't want to continue this game. Now, so. <laughs> uh, yeah, that, was, yeah it's, uh... I, that, that would have to be the favorite one. So That's that's awesome. Um, I'm, I'm currently reading some R.A. Salvatore books um, about Drit Stewart and who's a, a drow and uh, learning all about that kind of stuff. I, I haven't read any of those books in a long time, and uh, it's it's great fun. It's great fun. Yeah. Dark, yeah. dark elves are the best. Um, yeah, yeah, indeed. Indeed. Uh, so if, if you could replay any video game for the first time uh, and have that kind of first experience again, uh, what would you you don't have to worry about it aging poorly or anything like that but what would you like that ga replayed game to be hmm that's also uh, would i then have uh like uh, the same same experience like uh, if it's an old game then it like obviously some things would have become obsolete design wise uh, can i choose one of those sure yeah then it would have to be a King of Dragon Pass, uh, an indie game by A Sharp from 1999. Uh, I was totally mind blown by that. You, in King of Dragon Pass, you basically manage like fantasy, but the kind of medieval village, and uh, you have to learn how to think medieval in, to be good in that game. And that was so mind blowing, blowing experience that the. That was the game when I knew I wanted to make games. Before that, uh, I loved playing games. I've played games since I was uh, five years old, but uh, like video games. Uh, but since then, I knew that I will ha want to have have a chance to work on work on games myself. 
So it would have to be that one. That's that's fantastic. I uh, I feel like I, I don't get to hear about games that I haven't actually either heard about or played, and that one is that one is new to me. Uh, yeah, awesome. it's it's actually if I, if I may share two two interesting yeah sure uh, stories regarding that uh, in in my country Finland uh, there is or was like a very dominant um, uh, games magazine uh, nowadays there is several magazines but back then there was just one fully focused on games and they made this uh, article which I also l- l- read because back in the 1990s uh, well everyone read that. Uh, so they gave it 96 points, uh, huge praises, and that's that was still when people bought boxes. And in other countries, you had to buy the shelf space. So the game actually didn't sell well. So it's not a very well well known game. But in Finland, it rose to be a top 10 seller because of a games magazine's uh, article. Uh, and David Dunham, the creator of uh, of the game, uh, is has several times mentioned that, holy shit, that was so weird uh, that uh, in the 1990s uh, we were top 10 seller in Finland and didn't sell almost any copies any, anywhere else. And that was because of the power of Pelit uh, uh, magazine. And the other part is that uh, if there are heroes for me in game industry, it's, it is David Dunham. And I, I two years ago, uh, we were in a, or he was invited into a, game conference here in Finland and I got to go to sauna with him so uh, that was really really cool uh, of course all the all the speakers I was speaker there as well uh, so we had the kind of speakers uh, evening at the cottage show that was like a cool cool time to finally meet my own hero and then uh, spend an evening uh, with a bunch of uh, game developers talking about the uh, games we love yeah that's awesome really awesome um okay so sort of the uh excuse me sort of the flip side of that um what is a a blind spot in video games that you have whether a particular game or a franchise or maybe even a a genre that uh you haven't played and whether or not you actually feel like you need to um i guess society or other people constantly tell you that you need to have played that game or franchise or genre or whatever the case may be yeah, I mean, uh, how many do I dare to, like, your uh, <laughs> listeners are going to hate me <laughs> if, I, if I reveal all the all the blind spots. Uh, uh, like, I, I, I'll do a couple, couple of blind spots. Hopefully, the listeners are merciful for me. <laughs> um, I grew up uh, with uh, with uh, Commodore uh, 64 and Amiga. So I was a, I've always been a kind of computer gamer. Mm-hmm. So the first uh, console that I owned is Xbox One, and I still don't play ever on it. <laughs> so I pretty much any console game I have blind spots uh, on it. Uh, Heavy Rain I have played that was awesome. Uh, I don't know if that's in P- on PC nowadays, but uh, that was so awesome that I had to go to my sister's place and play it, and it was awesome. Uh, but even if I look at the PC side, I have so much uh, black spots. I think uh, blind spots. Uh, I think the one that I keep hearing most often is Dark Souls. Mm. Uh, it has so horrible keyboard and mouse controls that uh, I should. Well, I have Xbox, so I should uh, try it with the gamepad. But 
I played it for an hour and couldn't deal with the controls and then felt like I should uh, play it with a gamepad and never got back to it. But, uh, but I, like me as a designer, I hear that that's merciless. It, uh, like, uh, it punishes people and somehow people still love it. So I also know that I would, as a designer would have to play, how can you punish your player? and still have awesome experience. I know hard is fun kind of uh, philosophy, but you still need micro rewards. You still need kind of reward systems. And I would need to see uh, how does that work? That why do, why, how, how does it do the uh, difficulties, fun part? Uh, mm. Because everyone praises Dark Souls. Sure, sure. Yeah, I, I recently picked up um, Dark Souls 2 because it was on sale and I got it on, on PC. And I realized that it, the game doesn't even have uh, – you can use a mouse and keyboard with it, but it uses no UI to denote the the, the cursor or the, <laughs> the characters yeah. of the, the keyboard. Uh, you mm -hmm. have to actually install a mod to see normal keys on the game. It's yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly, yeah. yeah. It's insane. That's, yeah, and that's why, like – I understand it's an intentionally difficult game, but that made it even more difficult to learn when you couldn't see what, like, <laughs> right. like you only saw the gamepad controls what to do, and so that's uh, it's kind of crazy. Um, yeah. Okay. So, what is a, a good trend in video games that you would like to see more of? Something positive, whether it's a, a gameplay element or something that a particular studio is doing. Uh, it can be, you know, kind of a, a, a meta textual. Can be outside of. Uh, the actual game itself, but what's what's something positive in in video games that you would just like to see more of? Uh... Well, I I think uh, like uh, I have a knack for history of, of history. I studied history as my major uh, back in the days, like almost twenty years ago. Uh, so I miss the the time when games experimented with uh, new genres of course in the indie games they experiment a lot and i love love that side i really really love that uh, uh like i'm not saying that we are doing that like we aren't doing as much experimenting as uh, uh, as some do but games like uh, stanley parable or or even Depression Quest, which was uh, attacked a few years ago. I'm super happy that those games exist, that they that games explore new themes, new mechanics. Uh, they are about new th new stuff. I hope that uh, there would be more games about like love, like social feelings, not not the the porn type, but mm -hmm. but indeed, like love touches us all. And I still haven't like the closest to experiencing love in video games is either in to some extent i guess in for me that is uh, in the walking dead for that little girl or or indeed that uh, Baldur's Gate uh, uh, 2 story that i already shared but like why is there not more exploration on the emotions that are more difficult to trigger like the kind of survival emotions, uh, scaredness or fear and others, they are easier to trigger because our brains are wired that way. But uh, why games don't explore uh, more of that? And that's a trend I would love to see more. And there are uh, in the kind of indie scene uh, games, but uh, if it's indie scene, like 
from one to five people, then of course it's very limited what you can do with a team size like that. So hopefully there would be bigger games also exploring other emotions than just survival emotions. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And at, at one thing that always frustrates me is when, uh, especially in a video game that has like romance options, it, it seems like it always, the relationship essentially stops. It culminates at sex, whether or not the game yeah, shows yeah. it. Like you, you talk to somebody and the reward is sex. And now the relationship cannot progress any further. You don't get to talk to the person anymore. There's no real new dialogue yeah. with them. It's just, it's done. Yeah, and, um, and that's that's the thing that like, indeed, Mass Effects and others, uh, they, it's, it feels to me that the, like if the story is good, you get association to that, but you don't have game mechanics related to that. You don't like uh, have like, let's say darkest dungeon that makes the stress mechanics. That's brilliant. That's like being scared uh, is one of the mechanics. So why not having social, like if, even if, if it's friendship, like if I bring my friend with me to a mission, I get some boost. So like it's, Hey, like game would uh, praise, hey, you took care of your friend instead of uh, just focusing the mechanic somewhere else and then uh, having the story story trying to deliver that. Of course, in AAA games, you can uh, get away with uh, story story delivering emotional stuff, but uh, but that still means that your main mechanics don't deal with that, uh, which I or- originally intended. That they're usually the like survival games, you the mechanics basically what you do is how you survive. It it all what you basically do is uh, is all related to that. But in most games that do deal with uh, some sort of emotions, uh, it's dialogue options mostly. What, what is your game mechanics? Why why isn't there other mechanics that uh, at play? That other decisions to do than just dialogue options? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, me, me, me neither, me neither, me neither. But I, I yeah. hope that, uh, uh, like, there are in the smaller, uh, smaller, uh, like indie scene, there are games that explore new stuff. Uh, uh, but this is something I would want to see a bit, bit more, even, even yes. though, like, I'm a hardcore strategy gamer, and Resistance Games is a strategy game studio. So, uh, but, uh, but as a gamer, I would want to want to see this a lot more. All right. Um, so, kind of the the flip side of the the good trend. Uh, is there anything, any tropes, or anything bad in video games that you would like to see less of, or possibly just go away entirely? Again, this can be a mechanic. This can be something some studios doing. It can, can be whatever you want it to be. Yeah. Well, I I like. Uh, I hope that the online communities wouldn't be so toxic mm. that uh, people would deal with one another with respect. Uh, that's big reason why most of my multiplayer sessions, they are just with friends. I don't want to go online to play with random people. Uh, mostly, uh, most, like I, I do like uh, uh, Dead by Daylight because that's a cooperative uh, game and there is very limited community. There is a chat, but uh, Usually, it's actually quite positive, positive stuff. In any case, at least what I've I've seen. So, well, like, that, 
aggressive behavior why like uh, if you have a small penis why do you have to wave it to everyone to prove it <laughs> or like uh, i don't know like that that's pretty much but i love love games and i think most of like vast vast majority of gamers are awesome i feel at home whenever uh, i meet fellow gamers uh, a fellow game developer so i think like we are definitely on the positive side as a kind of community but that side is something i don't i don't like well if all the polite people are being quiet then you know the rude people their loudness just becomes louder so i totally yeah. understand yeah. that I... yeah in in in, in uh, finland we have an idiom or or a saying uh which translates like that uh, there is plenty of space for sound in the world so uh basically meaning that uh, even if someone is being obnoxious uh, uh, we shouldn't pay attention to them or let them spoil our day the same same going as well that uh, like just because someone like uh, uh, someone is making a game that's not targeted to me it doesn't mean that the game would be bad like right. uh, just had a, a good discussion with uh, fellow game developers that uh, one of the most famous Finnish game developers, the City Skylines uh, uh, creator, uh, is now making uh, kind of erotic uh, choose-your-own-story type of uh, games for women. She's a women developer in any case. I'm not a target audience, but I'm super happy that there are games, games like that, and I wish her all the success. Absolutely. That's really cool. I hadn't heard about that. That's, that's really yeah. neat. Yeah, I think Sixth Muse or something like that uh, is oh. the, what she's, she's nowadays making, if I remember the company name right. Awesome. Okay. Uh, now to our, our penultimate question. Uh, if there's any other uh, profession that you would like to try, and this is not any bad assumption about not having to not, or not being able to make video games anymore but this is just literally you could try whatever you wanted to whether it's an astronaut or an international food taster or whatever the case could be uh what's something that you would like to to give a shot i, I i'll answer two because i do intend to uh follow those at some point and in a in a sense i have followed somewhat uh I would love to be a history teacher as well, or history researcher. Uh, I have 11 hour lecture series on history of games, covering games from the Stone Age to Space Age, to year 2000. It's in Udemy. Uh, so that's, I've always loved history almost as much as games. Uh, but in a way it's more important because that's history also relates to how I see the world. That if I would not only know present, then how do I know is the world or my life or anything going to the better or to the worse? But if I know history, how things were and how they are now, then I know the direction where we are headed. So I, it's no longer just the position in uh, time and space. Uh, the other other uh, profession is uh, politics. I have couple of times ran ran to like municipal office uh, did quite well but uh, now in the last years I haven't had any time for it but I want to run for 
municipal office in the next election as, at, at least to make sure that my home home city would be as great as uh, it can be so so awesome. those those two fantastic fantastic all right and on the incredibly uh admirable um answers that you just gave there i'm going to ask you another very silly question uh you get to meet uh Viconia Devere somehow and you get to ask her one question uh what is the question that you would ask her and what is her response ah uh, Viconia yeah uh it's so long ago that uh, <laughs> i i played that uh i guess it would be would you choose me over the Child of Baal, whoever that main character was, that she was so awesome in that game. So, so I guess that would be the the question. <laughs> but uh, since she wouldn't know me, so the answer would be no, I guess. So, uh, fantastic. All right, well that does it. Thank yeah. you so much yeah. for uh, for sitting down with me and chatting for showing me the game and then uh, talking with me about it afterwards. Um, Wish you guys the best of luck as you finish up development and get the game out. Uh, if you could let people know uh, where the game is coming out, when they can, uh, you know, find out some more information about it, all that kind of good stuff. Yeah, it should come out in in summer, uh, towards the end of summer. Uh, the final date is not yet uh, decided, so even I don't know it, uh, or we have some. Some dates that we have uh, uh, circled or, or once he has uh, circled around, and uh, uh, but uh, it ha- ha- hasn't been locked as far as I know, so or at least it's not public knowledge yet. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, summer uh, in Steam uh, in eight different languages, I think. Uh, so quite a lot of. Uh, Localization work has been done and still a tiny bit uh, left, but uh, not much. Yeah. Okay. And uh, the price point, I think, is also still not yet uh, decided. All right. Fantastic. Well, again, uh, best of luck for you guys as you finish up development and uh, look forward to hearing more from your studio in the future. Yeah. And you should uh, definitely wishlist the game so you get all the news uh, and the price point, the final launch date, and of course, uh, additional information, even though I, I'm pretty sure we covered quite a lot uh, already today. But Sounds great. All right. Well, that does it. And uh, yeah, we'll be back with more interview video gamey stuff. And yep, soon. Next episode, whatever that is. 